Hello, everybody, and welcome to Season 4 of iWolves with your host, Ian Dunbar, Kelly Dunbar, and me, Jamie Dunbar. Hi, guys. So, what are we talking about today? I don't know. Hmm. What are we talking about? I guess it's a good thing that I'm here. Yes. Uh, today we'll be talking about evaluating aggression, the bite level scale, and figuring out, you know, what is a dangerous dog. Yeah, we alluded to this, oddly enough, not intentionally, in the last one, um, talking about, um, you mentioned, you know, what, if a dog is reactive, that it's actually a safer dog, or at least a, a known risk, mm-hmm. versus the unknown risk of the unreactive dog. Well, yeah, so it's, all, it's all tying up in series four, isn't it? It's all yeah. becoming interconnected. It's like lost. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I think if we look at, you know, like dangerous dog ordinances, um, I mean, there is some outrageous silliness there that you could have an ordinance where, on the one hand, in the same ordinance, it covers worrying chickens and killing babies. Um, you do either, you're considered a dangerous dog. So I think first we have to work out which species is involved. And, and I would separate it out into three humans. I tend to put them on the top of the pile in terms of damage done because I. I'm human. Mm -hmm. Um, Then dogs, other dogs, I think that's a special case, and then other animals. Mm -hmm. So first we have to work out, you know, where is the aggression or or what have you being directed. Mm -hmm. And if it's against humans, we really prick up our ears. And we have to work out very quickly, is this dog dangerous, yes or no. And I think what's happening here is that people will condemn a dog um, because of reactivity um, rather than objectively assessing what damage this dog, if any, has actually done. So reactivity and just the fact that there is a quote-unquote incident without looking at the um, depth of the incident, would you say? Absolutely. So I mean, like, if you were to put a human equivalent to this, how many of us, you know, don't get into a shouting match on occasion or at least in our heads, um, when driving or, you know, or just even in public, just having a, sm- a minor altercation with somebody. Well, I know one person in the room who, <laughs> no, mind. yes. I, I think one of the things I love to do in my lectures is um, we do a survey and I, I ask people, how many people here have never had a disagreement? No one puts their hand. Is there anyone here who's never had an argument? Now, out of a hundred people, you may have one person who puts really? their hand up there. Yes, yeah, seriously. And I interview them and I believe it. And then um, we go through and, and we ask questions um, like, now I want you to think of siblings growing up, spouse and children. The next question is, is there anyone in the room who's never grabbed someone in anger? And very few people um, can put their hand up, you know, maybe one, maybe two. Then I ask them to close their eyes and say the next question. I don't want to see if anyone answers yes. It's a highly personal question. So I say, close your eyes. Here's the question. Um, Does anyone in the room intentionally hurt someone so badly they have to be admitted to hospital? If you have, put your hand up. Thank you. Put your hands down and open your eyes. Then I give them the results of the survey. And I say, well, everyone in the room has admitted that you are disagreeable, temperamental, and prone to physical violence. Yet... Only one person in the room has mutilated another person. No different from dogs. Mm-hmm. You can rarely find a dog that hasn't got into an argument or a, this sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. But it's a very rare dog. 
that does severe enough damage to another dog or a person that they have to go to the vet clinic or the hospital. And, and, and this is the, the critical issue. So what I did for dog-human aggression and dog-dog aggression was um, I came up with two scales where we could then objectively assess is this dog dangerous, yes or no, towards other dogs or to people. And, and both of these scales now, I think the APDT just put them up as free downloads on their website. So any APDT members there, you go to the site and you can download these scales. And so you, you've got to sort out the wheat from the chaff because most so-called incidents of dog aggression are nothing. There's no more than arguments that, like, we've had. It's no more. There's no damage done. There's no Ian lying on the floor bleeding to death. <laughs> It's just an argument, you know, and, and, and often... It's like, a, hey, get out of my way. Well, hey, often you. about silly things, like the right way to drive to go and train the dog. You know, you're taking the wrong route, you know, and then it's an argument, and then it's gone. And so there's no damage done. And I think it's very... And, and, and I think the importance of this is, I think we euthanize a lot of the wrong dogs, and we adopt out a lot of the wrong dogs. Um, my view is a dog is not temperament tested until he's reacted. The present way is you will do something like you have a dog and you have a fake hand and you prod him a few times and try and take away his pig's ear and you prod him and you prod him and you prod him and you prod him and eventually the dog goes, <laughs> all right, kill him. I think, what are you talking about? I mean, you just prodded the dog 24 times and then he loses his temper and you live. This is not a dangerous animal. He didn't even touch the hand, you know? As opposed to, the dog doesn't react. Well, if he doesn't react, you don't know what would happen if. Mm -hmm. And I can remember the case That's of okay. a dog that was going to children's hospitals, um, actually children hospices. So these are children who are lying in bed and dying, and they take in the little dog to make them feel better, and he was gonna be retired, and coming back from his last visit, the handler, not his owner, slammed the car door on his tail and he mutilated her. He ripped the muscles from her arm. So the dog's highly sociable, but he doesn't have bite inhibition. And you may say, oh yeah, but shutting his tail in the car door, hey, when I was hitchhiking, someone who picked me up shut my hand in the car door. I didn't right. mutilate him. Do I screamed, yes. Uh, when I was young, I remember my dad was teaching me carpentry, he was holding a nail, and I had a hammer, a great big claw hammer, and hit it, and I hit his thumb. And I can remember the words he said. <laughs> he wasn't, but he didn't hurt me. And that, at the hospice, someone could have rolled over the dog's tail with a wheelchair. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and so we've got so to separate... there's a false sense of security there. Absolutely. It doesn't, I, mean, yeah. the, I mean, that's not going to make most feel, people feel very comfortable thinking, my dog's never done anything, <laughs> what would happen if... But the point is, there are very few dogs that haven't reacted. There are very few dogs that haven't gone, or even or snapped, or given you the right, eye. Right, done a light bite. Yeah, and, and, and that is a great reaction. And, and, and I actually love these cases where, and a very common one is, a great big dog bites a child in the face. And I think, oh my word. And then you go and you look at the child, there's not a mark. And so I say, you've got a brilliant dog. You've got a brilliant dog who, you know, he's really putting up with your child. He eventually got too much. He warns the child. Doesn't hurt him at all. Scared with him. jaws. Yep, and that dog did what you should have done. You should have trained your child. You didn't. Well, your dog's just done it for you. The child will not do that again. You have a very, very, very trustworthy dog 
because the more the animal reacts and doesn't do damage, the, the safer we know that it is. So I don't really want to go through these scales in, in, in the iWolf. So say you can download them from... Where? Um, we don't even have a copy on our site. We don't. No, we should put That's them silly. on. silly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, we'll... Maybe the highlights. I mean, where does it start? Yeah, well, suddenly, you're, suddenly you're Mr. Yeah, Producer with the information. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, we have the scale. week on iWolves, so we will name the scale. Okay, let's have a commercial next, next break. week, we'll name the first part of the scale. <laughs> yeah. So, well, I have a six-point scale for so-called aggressive incidents. Level one, the dog growls and snaps and lunges and you wet your pants but his teeth never touched your skin. No physical contact. No physical contact. Level two, the teeth touched your skin, no puncture. We've just covered 99% of so-called dog bites. Level one, level two, there's no damage done. This is making a mountain out of a molehill. This is like keeping records of every time you stub your toe. You know, it's absolutely ridiculous, as Janice Bradley says in her book, you know, Dog Bite. Why are we keeping records of something so inconsequential so the dog growled? What else is new? Level three, you've now got one to four punctures from a single bite, but no puncture is deeper than half the length of the canine. Um, the, the dog has crossed the line. He's broken the skin, but you know what? It wasn't, you didn't go to hospital. It wasn't that serious, you know? Level four though now, now we have a really deep bite. One to four punctures, single bite. Each puncture is deeper than half the length of the canine. The wound can go black overnight. Witnesses say the dog bit me and wouldn't let go. Or the slashes in both directions. The dog bit and shook his head. Then we move to level five, multiple four incidents. And level six, the dog killed someone. Now, whenever I mention this, I like to put it in perspective. Um, dogs in the US kill, on average, about 20 people a year. Um, probably 12 of those are children. That's on average. Uh, last year, though, 2,000 children were killed. By dogs? No. By their parents. In the U.S.? In the U.S. 2,000 children a year are killed by their parents. That's why it's not news. It's happening six times a day. That's why dogs killing a person is news. It, it only happens 20 times in a year. Right, and because we have a you know, evolutionary fear of animals that oh, are going to bite us. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, again, Janice goes through this in the book so beautifully, the irrational fears that we have. What are the fears we should have? Crossing the road, probably number one. You know, when you're driving in the car, number two. Firearms, number three. Cigarettes. But especially, yeah. oh my God. <laughs> especially people who live with you. If you're going to get hurt, it's probably by someone who you live with. You know, I mean, this is the, the reality. It's, or your own crazy. stupidity. <laughs> <laughs> or you're a male from age 18 to 30. That's true, the old Darwin effects, that you do something stupid like you go into the middle of a field and shoot an arrow in the air and stand still and see how close you can get it land next to you. I mean, that would be really stupid. Brought to you by Dr. Yeah. Dunbar himself. <laughs> so that's for human bites. For dog-dog aggression, um, we classify it number of fights, number of veterinary trips. And so it's very difficult to get the information from owners because they're very upset. And strangely enough, people seem to be more upset about dog-dog aggression mm. than they are about when dogs bite people. Mm. And so you say, how many fights has your dog had? And they say, oh, he fights all the time, he's trying to kill the other dogs. They, they, they're so emotional about this. So I've learned not to laugh. People are not up for humor at this point, they're upset. So what I do now is I take the, the fight history by saying, tell me about the first fight, puppy was attacked. Tell me about the second fight, 
Tell me about the third fight. Everyone can remember those. Then I say, tell me about the last fight. Second to last, third to last, and how many more in the middle? Oh, about half a dozen. So your dog's had 12 fights. Already, I'm thinking good prognosis. Because these fights couldn't have been serious if this dog has still been allowed around other dogs and you've had 12 fights. But I asked the question for each fight, did the victim go to the vet clinic? No, I said he attacked my puppy. Okay, second fight, did the victim go to the vet clinic? No, third fight, did the victim go to the vet clinic? Well, there was a lot of blood, I say, ripped here. And they say, how did you know? Well, I've been taking these histories for a while. You know, if you have a lot of blood, it's usually an ear, they bleed. So we go through it and we found out of these 12 fights, a victim never went to the vet clinic. Mm -hmm. And so, you know what? If this dog is really trying to kill the other dogs, he's just not very good at it, is he? <laughs> but I know I'm laughing, but it gives us tremendous security now that we know, yes, the dog's reactive, but he's not causing harm. Therefore, he's not dangerous. Right, so if his tail was shut in a car door, you're pretty he sure he's not going to mutilate it. He would scream, yeah. And so what we know when we, with dog-human aggression, say we have a level one biter, a level two biter, it's not in the least dangerous. Solve the problem. Lots of classical conditioning, lots of progressive desensitization, lots of manners training. Get people to hand feed and train the dog. Come here, sit tree, come right. here, sit tree. So not to say that it's not oh. a problem, but it's a problem of manners. That's it's not a absolute. problem of danger. Not, you're not going to be endangered. You're going to solve the problem very quickly. You're it's going pain, to. It's inconvenient, it's rude, but it's not going to hurt someone. Absolutely. But once that dog punctures the skin, once we move to a level three bite, hey, you've got to take this seriously. It actually becomes, the dog becomes a legal entity when he does that. So we have to take it seriously. At level four, I would no longer take on a level four case again. The last one ended in disaster. And why? Lack of owner compliance. I agreed to do it because the dog lived with a couple and I said dog never goes walking without a muzzle, never goes outside without a muzzle. No people come round, if people come you lock him in a room, keep the key on your neck. They didn't follow it. Anyway, won't go into details, but I grew to like that dog. And in the end he has to get euthanized. So now with a level four I strongly suggest euthanasia. If we go to a sanctuary, what kind of life is that? Because they can't be handled by any people yeah. with dogs. So Living in solitary dogs. confinement yeah. and you can't be hugged by people. Yeah. They, they have sanctuaries for dogs to keep them alive forever. Mm -hmm. and, and I would I would be against that for a level four biter because his quality of life is going to be so grim. You know, to me, the, the best thing about pet ownership is on the couch late at night with the dogs. Well, that dog will never have couch time. Mm -hmm. And he's never going to be walked. He's not going to be playing. He won't be playing fetch, you know, whatever. With the dog-dog stuff, one trip to the vet clinic, I take it seriously. I then, I ask them, what was the bill? That's a good index of damage done. <laughs> um, anything under 250, I don't pay that much attention to. But Is if that they really tell just me, the cost of going to the vet? It's pretty much the cost of going to the vet, a bit of medication, a couple of stitches maybe, you know, but it's not, it's not serious. But if they say the bill is 500 or 1,000, I go, wow, then you know what? I wouldn't have your dog around other dogs again. You now have the hardest problem to resolve in the whole wide world of dog training. You know, whereas with other stuff like, you know, jumping up, house soiling, pulling on leash, running off, we do have quick and easy fixes. You know, it, it, it takes time, but we can fix it. You, you cannot teach a dog bite inhibition towards other dogs. See, totally different than if the dog were biting us. We could. 
we could put on a sleeve or a suit and we could now do the bike division exercises. They would be time-consuming, not without danger, but it's theoretically possible. Mm -hmm. No, yeah. it's not. I mean, you, even in a bike right. suit, the dog's going to hurt you. Because you could right, put yourself at risk. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But the, the good news about all of this is, and having these two bike scales, you know, whenever anyone says to me, oh, my dog got in a fight, or my dog um, is being aggressive towards my granddaughter, or what have you, they, they talk in very woolly terms about, you know, uh, being aggressive, how the dog's feeling, and what have you, why is he doing this, what are his motives, is he dominant, is he territorial, or, or what have you. I'm interested in one thing and one thing only. Has the dog caused damage? If he has, we have a big problem, the dog is dangerous. If it's dog-dog aggression, we probably aren't going to resolve it with the exception of management. But the good news is so few of these dogs are dangerous. They, they, it, it's amazing. In dog-dog aggression, it's probably one or two out of a hundred. So it's really a shame that all these dogs are having arguments and then being condemned, you know, when it comes to like vicious and dangerous laws. Oh, absolutely. And, and crossing the species bound. You know, a dog has a fight with another dog and then we say, they both we, live we and put him goes down. to the hospital and he needs to be... Yeah, and especially like the case you were mentioning of the big old Malamute that nicked a little dog. It's like, hello, if ever there were proof that this Malamute is not a dangerous dog is, he got into an argument with this little dog for whatever reason. Who started it. Yeah, who started it. And afterwards, the little dog is fine, just has a little scratch on him. The Malamute is totally Minor fine. Minor yeah. yeah, so I, I find that these scales really help give people confidence. When I say, look, your dog's been in 12 fights. He's never hurt another dog. Yeah. What it means is you now can train and rehabilitate the dog with impunity, using any method you like, quite safely. He's never caused any damage in the past. He's unlikely to do so any time in the immediate future. So let's get him into a feisty Fido class, a growl class, a danger, you know, and, and do lots of classical conditioning. Let's reverse the process. And, and it's surprising how quick it is. Uh, feed the dog on the walk, but you only feed him when he sees another dog. You're going to change your dog within a matter of days, if not one week. Because what's going to happen otherwise is, if your dog's dog-dog aggressive, you're going to stop walking him. And now, what a quality of life loss. You know, it's real different than if you got the dog and you never walked him in the first place. He doesn't know any different. He's a couch dog. But if you've walked him every day and now you stop, that, that's really, really horrible. The dog-human stuff, yeah, when it's serious, it's serious. And, and, and I've spent my whole career trying to teach people how to prevent dog aggression, how to prevent dog bites. Um, it is amazingly simple, as opposed to teaching a dog to be friendly to all dogs. That's amazingly difficult and takes a lot of work, especially if you have a male dog and especially if he, if he has his ghoulies on. But raising dogs to be friendly to people is as easy as it's enjoyable, and it goes back to where we started. Um, you handle that. You don't start handling a Malamute when he's six months old. You start when he's one week old. You know, same thing with a Chow Chow, German Shepherd, Malinois, you know, you know, or any toy dog or terrier dog, i.e. all dogs. <laughs> when they're neonates, you just pick them up. I mean, how's he going to kill you? The only way you're going to die is laughing. You know, he's a neonate. And then when he's three weeks old and four weeks old, that's when you get them to not just tolerate handling, but thoroughly enjoy handling.
So that's really the purpose of the bite scale. Very quickly, you can make a definitive statement, this dog is not dangerous. Or, very occasionally, you have to say, this dog is really dangerous. He shouldn't be walked unmuzzled. He should never be around children. He should never be around visitors. And we've got to do some work with him really, really quickly. But the good news is, usually no, the dog's not dangerous and the treatment is uh, surprisingly um, easy. So that's the story on bite scales. Yeah. And you're right, we've got to put it up on um, Dog Star Daily. Yeah, or at least link to it on the ABG. Right. We'll do that we'll do soon. Thank you. Thank you. Let's say goodbye, shall we? Thanks for listening, guys. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.